no right given to the people of the United States is absolute, and that includes the right to free speech. Protective measures were taken to take down disinformation about vaccines and about the nature of the virus and about protective measures we could take, including masks, including social distancing. We are not trying to censor speech. We are simply trying to create factually correct information to prevent harm to people. It was public health measures to protect lives. Again, something should be celebrated. Democrats are not in favor of the First Amendment. Not because I said so, because they just said so. Their statements in Congress on this panel, this hearing with with Robert F. Kennedy Jr., if you, you could not look worse. And if you want to understand the divide, the divide between possibly where you are and where the political left is, well, here it is. The pride in the saying we don't believe in free speech. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. You want to argue it with me? Feel free. 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. I asked this question of William Jacobson of LegalInsurrection.com. I will bring that to you in just a bit. This is stunning, stunning statements. From the Democratic Party. Where they are clear clear in their statements that free speech is not what they are about. We were trying to save lives, and in order to save lives, we have the right to keep doctors from giving their opinion. Well, my gosh, isn't there a threat every second of of every day? Isn't there a threat to our lives and our security and our our, our futures all the time? Isn't that enough of a pretext, enough of a reason to prevent us from speaking the way we want to speak? From saying the things we want to say because lives are on the line? Isn't that enough of a reason? Well, if you ask them, the answer is yes. I ask you, is it? Is it enough of a reason? These people, if they were left to their devices, their answer would be, you don't get to speak. We'll tell you what to say. I mean, this this line is, is just absolutely remarkable here. No right, listen again to Representative Sanchez. No right given to the people of the United States is absolute. and that- Except, of course, for abortion. That right is absolute and unquestionable. But the things in the Constitution, <laughs> that stuff is up for debate. First Amendment, Second Amendment, Fourth Amendment. Why should you be safe in your papers? Wait till we get to the Third Amendment. We're going to start putting people in your house. Why? Why, why? why isn't that going to come? No right given to the people of the United States is absolute. Can we discuss how ugly that statement is again? Can we do the deep dive breakdown into that statement? No right 
given to the people of the United States is absolute. And What about the rights given to me by God? Her statement is one of proclamation that the rights that you and I engage, the rights that you and I hold near and dear, these rights come to us from government, not from nature and nature's law. Linda Sanchez is the woman you hear. Congresswoman from California, Linda Sanchez is stating that rights exist because people like her, elected by some district in California, decide them for you. You got that, Midwest? Indiana, Ohio, Arkansas, you got that? You got that, Southeast Atlanta? Your rights don't exist. Your rights are given to you by the district of Linda Sanchez. Now say thank you, bitch, because that's how she sees you. That's how she sees you. Get on your knees and sing your praises to the great Linda Sanchez and the people of her district who bring her to you so you can be told the better way. It's remarkably obscene. Listen again to the line. No right given to the people of the United States is absolute, and that includes the right to free speech. My right to speak, my right to say no, is part of nature and nature's law. If you cannot say no, you cannot be free. Some people want to state this as if you cannot own real property, You cannot be free. If I can't own things, if things can be taken from me without any compensation, just removed from my hands, and therefore I'm not free, that's the slave. The slave doesn't own things. Provided by a master taken from a master or taken by the master, that's the relationship. If I cannot own things, how could I be free? I have always brought this to a much more uh, simplistic common denominator than the very idea of real property. If I cannot say no, I cannot be free. If I cannot of my own free will say no, how possibly am I not a slave? Well, you could be found guilty in a court of law. You mean there are laws and something was adjudicated, I was provided a defense, I was found guilty, yes, that can happen. But look at all the steps. We're not talking about a king or a magistrate or somebody else declaring your guilt. We are talking about a jury of your peers. We're talking about legislation that was uh, fairly obtained. The rational mind is fully aware of this and can understand this. But when it comes to the right to speak out, the right to free speech, the right to simply ask questions of our government, it would seem to me uh, that Representative Sanchez doesn't understand what the Declaration of Independence says. that we are allowed to engage and we should be engaging in that level of of redress. 
we should be able. I mean, what do you think the Declaration of Independence is? It is the statement. It is the statement of free speech. Governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. I ask you, when members of Congress state with clarity that your rights are not yours, that your rights do not exist from nature, nature's God, but rather that they are presented to you, you lucky son of a gun. They are the ones who show that any form of government becomes destructive of these ends. They are the ones engaging in the destruction. It is obscene what we are seeing and what we are hearing. Just like it was obscene yesterday in this hearing to see the political left desperate to censor Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I don't care if you think he's a lunatic. I don't care if you think he's a jerk face. Say so. Say he's a lunatic. Say he's a jerk face. Say he's wrong. Say you don't believe him. What he has to say, that's all fine. That is all fine. But what is this argument from people like Adam Schiff that he has no right to testify before Congress? I don't think you want to bring bigots before the Congress, but apparently that's par for the course with this majority. We were trying to make sure that he didn't cause more harm with his outrageous testimony. I don't think he's being censored. He can say whatever he wants and wherever he wants, um, but he doesn't get a right to testify before a committee of Congress. Oh, that's not censorship. Censorship would not be allowing someone to speak. He can speak. That doesn't give him necessarily the ability to have to do it in the halls of Congress. So that was Schiff, who called him a bigot. That was uh, Wasserman Schultz. We weren't trying to censor him. That was Dan Goldman. He has no right to testify in front of Congress. And then Delegate Plaskett saying the same thing. Who has a right to testify in front of, of Congress? In all of these situations, you have four members of Congress who really see themselves as special, don't you? Who see themselves as elitists, as above it all, don't you? Did Sandra Fluck have a right to speak in front of Congress? Members of Congress wanted to bring her forward. Members of Congress wanted to bring Sandra Fluck, F-L-U-K-E, forward. She brought no value as far as I can tell. This was all about requiring insurance plans to cover birth control. Why should an insurance plan be required to cover birth control? Buy your own damn condoms. Now, if the insurance company wants to do it, let them do it. If they don't want to do it, they don't want to do it. Get a different insurance company. Forced? Forced to provide condoms? Forced to provide, uh, what, are you 486? That's the abortion pill, uh, by the way. This is not somebody who deserved to testify in front of Congress. I don't get to decide who testifies. 
They don't have the right? They don't have the right? So first, our rights are not absolute, and then you will decide who can be heard by Congress. So people don't have a right to testify in front of Congress. Do they have the right to come to your office and complain? Do they have the right to redress? Do they have the right to petition their government? Do they have the right to say no? You tell me I'm playing a slippery slope argument. I'll tell you that's the only argument there is. Here's what they're saying. Where does it lead to? And you connect the dots. If what they're saying is X and you believe it can lead to Y, the question is, how do you get there? I think it's pretty easy that when you have members of Congress saying that your right to free speech is not absolute, and then following it up by saying certain people don't have the right to testify to testify in front of Congress, that the argument is being made that only certain people who fit certain categories are allowed to speak and be heard from. Is that the American way? Now, if you tell me that Congress doesn't have to call somebody in front of a, of a hearing, I'll say to you, yeah, they don't have to. If you say to me, you have no right to a platform, I'll say to you, I guess that's true. But if the platform exists and you, and you, the government, are telling the platform, don't allow me to speak, then the issue is not about me. The issue is about you, which is exactly what members of Congress and members of the White House did to those people who had a disagreement regarding COVID, regarding vaccines, regarding results. Look at this study and look at that study and look at the other study. And one of those people was Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And you could think he's a crackpot. I won't vote for the guy. There is not a force on earth that can make me vote for the guy. And I would tell anybody on the political right, if you're considering voting for Robert F. Kennedy Jr., you're nuts. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. You're not somebody who's who's voting on values. What values do you have when you vote for that progressive? Nice guy. I'll talk to him about free speech and what he thinks about COVID and data. I would talk to him about his thoughts on capitalism and his thoughts on on the economy, his thoughts on the climate. Of course I would. You know what I know of his thoughts? Bad stuff. Of course I'd talk to him. I just said I wouldn't vote for him. You're going to vote for a guy who absolutely can't help you nor your kids and doesn't bring a value to society? who doesn't allow for the maximum amount of liberty possible? Oh, Trump does? Policy-wise, yeah. Much better than Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Much better than Joe Biden. What, are we having a debate all of a sudden? Are we going to pretend that reality doesn't exist directly in our face? What, are we all nuts? We've gotten so damn crazy, we don't know how to take a breath. And focus and recognize that what the political left is discussing here is an obscenity. And you say to me, isn't Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on the political left? Yes. Yes, he is. And he's a guy who is going to increase taxes. He's a guy who's going to push green as a command and and engage in some really aggressive nature on that. He just happens to be a guy who believes that you can speak freely. And he 
is getting shut down by the other people on the left because what they're telling you is no. So is he a degree better than that? Yes, he's better than Adam Schiff, which I didn't think took too much. He's better than Dan Goldman. Who isn't? And we should cheer him for wanting to speak freely and we should stand by him as he engages this fight. Because this fight is right. And these members of Congress are flat out dangerous. Trump is the threat to democracy. Sit down and be quiet. Trump made many a mistake regarding January 6th. I concede. These people don't think that you have the right to speak if they disagree with you. Who's more of a threat? I'm Tony Katz. She gets too hungry for dinner at eight. I'm starving. Bully from Kentucky. Rand Paul's Senate office destroyed in a fire. This took place in the early morning. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Building had a law office. It had uh, Senator Rand Paul's uh, office, had a retail store. The roof has collapsed. No injuries reported. Um, Nor do they know how it started. They haven't done the investigation yet. There was some reporting that it was yesterday that Rand Paul was recommending uh, that 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 Fauci be, was it be charged or be investigated, and then this happens, guys. I'm not jumping to that gun just yet. I mean, that's something that the left put out there. I'm not that guy. Uh, can I get an investigation, please? Rand Paul's the senator who gets attacked by his neighbor, and people are like, oh, that's great. Oh, that's great. Bob, oh, I guess it shouldn't have upset him so much. They cheer the guy doing the physical attack. Rand Paul's office gets burned to the ground? No gets or was there an accident this is what we don't know and this is what we need to find out just i'm with you um odd timing odd 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 timing and something that i want to make sure we get back to as we get information about this meanwhile the question is why isn't the hunter biden joe biden story the biggest story in america because it should be the biggest story in America. And now that we have these IRS whistleblowers, and now that we have Chuck Grassley, the senator from Iowa, releasing the FD-1023 form, how do we not have an investigation? William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, LegalInstruction.com, gives his thoughts. That is coming up. Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz today. One wonderful day. No right given to the 
Well, the United States is absolute, and that includes the right to free speech. Protective measures were taken to take down disinformation about vaccines and about the nature of the virus and about protective measures we could take, including masks, including social distancing. We are not trying to censor speech. We are simply trying to create factually correct information to prevent harm to people. It was public health measures to protect lives. Again, something should be celebrated. That's your members of Congress actively, proactively stating that they should be able to thwart free speech. You have the New York Times writing, despite the theater, meaning the hearing yesterday with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and talking about censorship where they tried to censor him. The hearings about censorship, the Democrats tried to censor him. And the New York Times writes, despite the theater, the hearing raised thorny questions about free speech in a democratic society. Is misinformation protected by the First Amendment? When is it appropriate for the federal government to seek to tamp down the spread of falsehoods? Well, we were told that the laptop from Hunter Biden was nothing more than Russian disinformation and misinformation, except it wasn't. So how could any of us trust the federal government to be the ones to decide what speech is allowed and isn't? And how is it possible this is a conversation in today's America? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. William Jacobson joins us right now, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. This is not actually the subject I wanted to get onto with you, but I wanted to bring it up as a pretext, and I'll take any thoughts you have on it, to the story of this, this professor, uh, the one uh, who was there, I should say Dean, the one at Stanford, the one who was all about the DEI, who wanted to excoriate people for, for not being uh, good and decent, the DEI dean, diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, Steinbach, who has now left her role at Stanford Law School because of how she treated Kyle Duncan, a Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals judge, he was talking about COVID, guns, and Twitter, and all she did was lecture him about how he was triggering uh, the students. She has a free speech, yet she no longer has the job. Did this, does the conversation about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and what we heard from members of Congress and this conversation about this DEI dean, do they equate? Well, no, because first of all, she was an administrator. And in, when acting in the capacity of an administrator, she needs to comply with school rules and school guidance. So she could go out on her own and say whatever she wants. But when you're acting in an administrative capacity, you have to act appropriately. But I think that the focus that everybody has, and I've written this for long since the incident, on her is misplaced. She's just a functionary. She's a cookie cutter. Take her out, put somebody else in the role, you're not going to see any difference. She did at that event what she thought was expected of her. Of course, the law school said, no, that's not what we expected of you. But it has nothing to do with her free speech when she's acting in the capacity as a dean. But I think focusing on her is wrong. I think the focus should be the culture at elite law schools, particularly Stanford in this case. Uh, and what is it about the culture there that breeds such intolerance? Because remember, she wasn't the one shouting down the judge. It was the students. And it's how she reacted to that that got her in trouble. 
but it was the students shouting down the judge. What is it about the culture at Stanford Law School that breeds that sort of contempt? And that's what I think really people should be focusing on. Getting rid of her, not getting rid of her isn't going to change anything. But in the larger context of free speech, she can say what she wants to say, but she has to deal with the consequences of it. Here we have members of Congress actively stating that maybe you shouldn't be allowed to say what you want to say and they should be able to create the quote-unquote safeguards. This goes back to the famous statement regarding the Supreme Court, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater, although that's, that is constantly taken out of context. You are you teach the law at Cornell. You see these students. You, you work on these subjects all around the country. Are there students who are going to look at these members of Congress and say, that's absolutely right. We have to curtail people's ability to say what they want to say. Well, yes. If you look at the surveys that are done nationally, a majority of students, depending on how the question is asked, sometimes a supermajority of students accept preventing people who they disagree with or who, quote unquote, express hate speech, as they define it, of course, um, from appearing. There's a very high percentage, and I don't want to misstate it, but I think it was something around a third of college students believe that sometimes violence is justified to prevent somebody from speaking, so, or disruption is, is justified. So it's you know, not just Stanford. It's not you know, just a particular school. This is, this is a problem. That's why I get back to the culture. We have bred a culture of intolerance among left-leaning students on campus, which is a significant portion. Talking to William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. Let us talk culture. We have had this week IRS whistleblowers speaking in definitive terms about the investigation into Hunter Biden and the tax fraud being slow walked. We have heard from whistleblowers in definitive terms say that uh, prosecutors in D.C. said, no, we are not going to move forward on uh, this case, whether or not the U.S. attorney in Delaware, Weiss, was actually told he can't, uh, he, he was t- not told about being able to engage charges in other states, while Merrick Garland, the attorney general, says, we never uh, tried to handcuff him, we never stopped him from engaging these charges. Then we get to Chuck Grassley, the senator from Iowa, and putting forth this FD-1023 form for America to see this interview the FBI did with a a confidential uh, informant saying that the Burisma CEO absolutely gave money to Hunter Biden and Joe Biden because he was coerced into it to be able to get a deal not to be prosecuted. The question before us is, I'll take your take on all of that, Doesn't this in any other situation, in any other world, with any other president, let's say someone named Trump or otherwise, doesn't this lead to at least a special prosecutor to look into it, a special counsel? Well, I think it would. Uh, You know, special counsel is not the the answer unless you have the right special counsel, because there have been special counsels who do virtually nothing and take two years. On the other hand, there are special counsels like Jack Smith who were like a bull in a china shop bringing charges against Trump, uh, you know, very quickly relative to the normal process. So I think it depends who the special prosecutor is. The point of Joe Biden is he's been corrupt his whole life. He's been a liar his whole life. I mean, he lied about 
you know, he plagiarized things when he was, I forget if it was in law school or soon after law school. I mean, this is who Joe Biden is. Why would anybody expect that he would tell the truth about anything? So uh, we've got to get to the bottom of it because, and I've been saying for two years now, it appears Joe Biden sold not just his office, but his future office, that he sold his influence. He sold the fact that he was going to be a presidential candidate to the highest bidders. And those higher spitters appear to have been in Ukraine and China. So, you know, this is one of the this is potentially the biggest scandal dwarfing Watergate by far, uh, certainly dwarfing the, uh, you know, inaccurate Russia collusion allegations, which were never proven. Um, so this is massive. I mean, we have a vice president, presidential candidate who sold his office. That's what the documents coming out seem to indicate. And we better get to the bottom of it. We can't allow the media and the FBI to squash this thing just like they did in 2020. One of the things that we saw was that when this came out yesterday, there was radio silence, except to say uh, there was one mention of, look at this thing being leaked. Well, all of a sudden today, 24 hours later, that's the whole conversation. Look what Chuck Grassley has leaked. He has put lives in danger. He has put uh, confidential human sources. You'll see CHS a lot uh, written down, confidential human source. Put these people in danger. It is as if they were waiting. You talk about media. They were waiting to know what the talking point was so they could go forward. Is Well, we see this all the time. We see this all the time. Um, when a Democrat does something wrong, the story becomes Republican reaction to it. Republicans pounce on it. That's, you know, we have a, like a running joke about that. that that's typical media. Uh, so it's not the wrongdoing. It's the reaction to the wrongdoing. And that's what you're seeing here. It's standard media. As soon as, as long as you accept that the media, the, the mainstream corporate media, you know, ABC, NBC, CNN, everybody, uh, with the exception of the, the Murdoch papers, wants Biden elected. And if you just accept that's true, that everything they do is going to be to elect a Democrat, it all makes sense. And we shouldn't expect anything different. Uh, they should be different, but they're not. And it is so corrupting how our, media, our mainstream corporate media serves the purposes of one political party. It really, that's why people have so little faith in anything anymore, because they, the one place they think they should at least get a fair shot, not necessarily a favorable shot, but a fair shot, which is the corporate media, which is media, uh, they don't get. And that's really it. The, the press in this country is so corrupted by, you know, political considerations. I mean, this should be everywhere. This should be round the clock on every TV channel. It should be front page in every major newspaper that the FBI had information that the now president of the United States was engaged in a bribery scheme. But that's not what you're hearing, as you point out. And and we have discussed this numerous times, that this is the biggest story in America, no matter how little coverage the press uh, gives to it. But now let me get just a, a bit specific. And let's start with the concept of impeachment. Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District, uh, uh, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert of Colorado, uh, they have both come out to discuss impeachment. I'm not opposed to the concept. I'm opposed to the idea of rushing to something without the data. As you see it, a legal mind who has taken a look at all of the, what I will call evidence, but you might see it differently. Do you think there is enough 
known to go about engaging the idea of high crimes and misdemeanors? Or are you somebody who would demand the investigation to be able to get to the place? Or is it about what you just said? You can, you can decide you need a special counsel and Merrick Garland, the attorney general, can appoint a special counsel, but we already know Merrick Garland can't be trusted, so the special counsel is just going to take however many years to make sure this doesn't affect the 2024 election and then decide no wrongdoing took place. Well, I think what the House needs to do is hold impeachment hearings. Before they vote to impeach, they should hold impeachment hearings, call witnesses, subpoena records, put it out there, and then make a decision. I think that because you can't trust the FBI, you can't trust DOJ, you can't even trust a special prosecutor acting under DOJ uh, to do the right thing. It's, it's unfortunate, but it's true. And all the things that are coming out now shows that they cannot be trusted to be politically fair. And so I think the House committee maybe needs to the House needs to maybe vote to appoint an impeachment committee and take testimony and look into these. I want to make sure not the same thing. Yeah, it's yeah, because that's, that's just it. To impeach. Uh, and that's just it. The idea of a committee is different than impeaching. So you're discussing taking this intermediary step. Don't don't run before you can walk. Go gather and build your case, not only if it's legally, but in the court of public opinion. That's your advice forward. Yes, that's that's what I would do if I were in the House of Representatives, because I think that's the right way to do it. I, I don't know that we have enough right now. Because the FBI is holding back things. Uh, I, the gov- DOJ is holding back things. They're running interference for Joe Biden. So I don't know that we have enough now to take that monumental step. But I think we should start the process of gathering that evidence, putting it out in the public, taking testimony uh, in public for everybody to hear, except for things that uh, particular things that might not need to be put public. And let's have a hearing about Joe Biden and his family corruption. This, this is this is the argument, because I've been making the argument that I don't want to jump into impeachment until we have it. And I've been saying investigation. You make a better point than I. That is absolutely right. The House should take it upon themselves because Merrick Garland cannot be trusted. They should take it upon themselves to make this a not only public, but to dig as deep uh, as uh, they can. Absolutely right. Uh, before I let you go, in, in 30 seconds, or, or, or less, the deal, the plea deal that Hunter Biden got, that should be pulled, shouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, with what's come out from the IRS whistleblower testimony, uh, a judge should be very skeptical of how that was reached and whether there was some corrupt process involved. Whether the judge will, I don't know. I assume the judge reads the newspapers, just like everybody else, uh, or at least reads online and is aware of this. I don't know uh, who, though, is going to present that case to the judge because both Hunter and the feds want this to go through. So where is the independent person uh, that is going to do this? And I think maybe, you know, the judge, just like we should have a a House committee to gather evidence on uh, impeachment, maybe the judge should appoint a magistrate judge or a special master to investigate the circumstances of this plea deal and report to the judge, whether that's public or not public. I I really haven't thought that through, but I I think that needs to be looked into. We can't have the specter that the son of the president is getting sweetheart deals when there are whistleblowers who have testified publicly that the process was corrupted and he received special consideration. In that circumstance, I think a judge needs to find out more before deciding 
whether or not to accept this plea. William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, LegalInsurrection.com is where you find him. And don't forget, a Sunday, July 23rd, 7.30 Eastern online event, Discrimination by Algorithm, Will Technology Subvert Supreme Court's Affirmative Action Ruling? Check it out online, Sunday, 7.30 Eastern. Uh, Head over to LegalInsurrection.com. William, always a pleasure. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. I tried so hard, my dear. I had been searching for what the step was. And and, and I, I found the conversation with William Jacobson remarkably elucidating. The answer is Congress. And for all the people out there who discuss how there's no point in voting, all the elections are stolen, you can't trust this, having the razor-thin majority in the House is going to allow the opportunity for America to see what's up. There's this argument, look at what Republicans are doing to democracy. (laughs) Look what Democrats are proudly doing to democracy. And look what they've done to younger generations. Violence is okay. That that study that that William Jacobson mentioned, I've seen that before, that, that survey. It's okay for government to decide what is and isn't acceptable in free speech. This is diseased stuff. And it is angering stuff, and you have every right to be angry. You're not crazy. The mainstream media has absolutely failed you. They're proud to fail you, and it's why we have to keep pushing on them and ignoring them at the same time. We have to tell these stories. We owe it to ourselves. We owe it to the future. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today.